Well, good evening. It's good to see you. Last weekend we began a new message emphasis called Together. Like that video reminds us, some things are meant to be what? Together. And really what we're thinking about is this, that God wants us as His children to do some things together for Him. Last week we talked about why. God gave us this gathering. God gave us this assembling of people, this group of people. God gave us this what? What's the word? What's the word? Church. God gave us the church for a reason. And we partnered together. We talked about that last week. We partnered together in fellowship to do His work together. We agreed to do that together. But starting this weekend, we want to focus more on not the why, that was last time, but this weekend what? What are the things that God wants us to do together as His children, as His people? And these are the things that are going to be our focus for the next few messages together. Now, let me share with you why we're talking about these things right now. As we were beginning or ending the the year last year, as we were praying and looking ahead and praying about what God was doing in our church family and where God wanted us to go in our weekend teaching together, we believed that we were headed towards one of the most strategic times ever in the history of our church. And recent days have only affirmed that even more. Church family, just like the children of Israel on their way to the promised land, if you go back and you read the Old Testament, there were times where where they needed to move out together. They They were going somewhere. God was taking them somewhere. God was taking them to that promised land living. And that's not talking about heaven. Maybe ultimately it's talking about heaven. But really more specifically, it's talking about the purpose that God, the powerful experience of life and purpose that God had for His people. And as they were doing that, they needed to move out together. And so word got sent through the camp. Hey, everybody, we're getting ready to move out. God's on the move. God is taking us somewhere. And so they would just spread word through the clans, through the tribes. Hey, we're getting ready to move. This is what God is doing. That is how you ought to see this message series. God is stirring the camp. Amen. God is moving us out. God is taking us somewhere. And we're just spreading word through the camp. Get ready. God is doing something. And Acts chapter 2 that we began reading last week is kind of our backdrop. Some of you are aware that Acts chapter 2 is a picture of the early church as it was just getting started. And it really is a great model for us. To, to help us to understand what are we to be about as a church. And really, Acts chapter 2 is where kind of the motto of our church, or kind of you might call it our tagline, that's really where it comes from. You've heard us talk about before worship, grow, and serve. As you read Acts chapter 2, you can't help but see those ideas, those principles just jump out. God wants us as His people to worship, to grow, and to serve. And so we're going to bring out those emphases and we're going to look at a few other, we're going to kind of expand that out in a couple of other important directions as well as we look at God's Word together over the next few weeks. So let's dig into that a little bit more today. And the first one we want to talk about is worship. The series is together and one of the things that God wants us to be focused on together is worship. As a church that we learned about last week, we worship Together. Now I want us to read Acts chapter 2, 
verses 40 through 47. I shared with you, that's really going to be the backdrop of this whole series. We read it last week. I want to read again for you this week in Acts chapter 2, verse 40. And with many other words, he, Peter, solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them. By the way, I love that. It's encouraging to me. Sermons were long in the New Testament. With many other words. There was a a lot more that he said. So that's just just a side note for me. He kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved, be rescued, give your life to Jesus Christ. Be rescued from this perverse generation. And this messed up world that we live in. We need a Savior. Amen? And Peter was speaking to many, many people who had gathered there for this festival. And a crowd had formed and he was sharing the Word of God. Give your life to Jesus Christ. It says, So then, in verse 41... Those who had received His Word, who had accepted Christ as their Savior, were baptized, publicly declaring that they were followers of Jesus. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. What a day! Amen? What a day! They were continually devoting themselves to the Apostles' teaching, to the Word of God, and to fellowship, to gathering together, to getting on the same page, to partnering together, to relationship together, to the breaking of bread. That could be the Lord's Supper, that could be a meal shared together, and to prayer. They were continually doing those things together. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. There's that word fellowship again. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind, there again is that fellowship idea, they were together, their hearts, their minds were together, were focused, they were in the temple, they were breaking bread from house to house in big groups, in small groups, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Every time I read that, I can't help but think, Why wouldn't there be people being saved? In a church like that, if there's a church like that in almost any town, people are going to give their lives to God. Amen? A church like that, people are going to say, wow, that is what God's like. I want to be a part of His family. And as we read those verses, we can't help but notice a huge emphasis on worship. Worship was so important to the work that they were doing for God together. And we want to understand as the people of God today, worship is so critical to the work that God has called us to do together. So as we start to think about that, I want us to first of all think about this. We need to have a clear understanding. When we're talking about worship, what does it mean when we say God wants us to worship together? Write this down. First of all, worship means giving our lives to God. That's what worship means. A definition of worship is we give our lives to God. Now, many of us, if I ask you to write down on your worship, God, write down your notes there. We're, we're taking a survey. When you think of the word worship, what do you think of? For many of us, we think of prayer. We think of reading the Bible. Uh, we would think of uh, serving in some way. Unfortunately, many times in church, when you say we're going to worship, many times, specifically, very narrowly, we think about singing, don't we? 
When we're talking about worship, we, we think about that. And certainly all of those things, listen friends, are aspects of worship. But really worship is a much bigger umbrella than those specific expressions of it. And I want to read to you a great passage that really illustrates what worship is. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible, the Apostle Paul, as he was being led by God, wrote this. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, in light of the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I want to kind of look at that verse and think about what is it if we as a people or we as individuals are to worship God, what is it that God wants us to do? Paul said, therefore, he had spent 11 chapters painting this incredible, one of the greatest sections of the whole Bible. Some people might say, if I only had one thing on a deserted island from God's word, I want Romans. I want Romans chapters 1 through 11. God is describing for us what He has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we ought to say, we ought to stop for just a minute before we go any further, play a little keyboard music, you know what, and just clap a little bit. Amen? Thank God for saving me. Amen? And the Apostle Paul, leaving that, we're not going to read that tonight, but leaving that, he says, therefore, what should, it, what should our response be to that? Therefore, in light of that, he says, I urge you, I encourage you. I, I come near to you as a, as a servant of God and I challenge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now that imagery would have given the, would have given the picture of the Old Testament sacrificial system. We don't, we don't relate to that because we don't live in the Old Covenant, right? And, and we don't come to a temple and we don't make animal sacrifices. But that is exactly what is being appealed to here. I urge you to present. So can't you see it? We're coming to a temple. We're offering sacrifices. We're handing over, right? That's what you can think of with that word present. Hand over your sacrifice. And you're going to put that sacrifice on the altar. And that, that animal is going to die as a sacrifice to God. God calls us to be sacrifices. And praise the Lord, it's living. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, it's not dying. Amen. Because in the Old Testament, they had to die. Praise the Lord, Jesus did the dying part. Amen. And I don't say that casually. I don't say that half-heartedly. We ought, to, we ought to stop. If we play the organ, we play the music a little bit on that other one to dance a little bit, that one ought to cause us to put our heads down. He died for us. He became the death sacrifice. And so praise the Lord, amen, that Christ has already died that death. But in a sense, we really should approach it just as if I died on that altar. And when I think of it that way, that means I gave my life to God, amen? Now see, we get tricked a little bit because we ain't really dead, right? We're not really dead. So, so we think we can move around and we think we can do some things. But we really ought to see it as, hey, I laid my life down and I can't take it back. I gave it what? That, that idea of present your body is really God's way of saying to us, present yourself completely. All of me. And it's done. It's over. I'm giving myself over to God. Now, hey, just as a side note, praise the Lord. I didn't have to die doing it. Praise the Lord. 
He says, I want to, I want to give you that life back, and now I want you to live it in worship, right? My life has been completely turned over to God. And by the way, in case that feels bad to you, it's always better off when you give something to God. Amen. So that may be a little bit scary at first to hand ourselves over to God, but what you get back is better than what you brought. Amen. And the Bible says this, that thing. Are you listening to me? That thing. I am giving myself to God. Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? He said, that is your reasonable. That is your spiritual service of worship. That is your reasonable, it can be translated, this is your logical response to God. It's, the, it's really, you know, we want to think of that as extraordinary, right? Oh, I gave my life to God. Well done, wait, good job, you know. But really, in a sense, the Bible says that is the only thing to do. The only thing to do is say, here, God, here, God, this is, this is, I want you to take my life and use it. And the Bible says that is worship. Worship means I give my life to God. And friends, the Bible says that is something that our church should be known for. We should be known as a place full of people. Remember we talked about last week a gathering, right? There's, a, there's a, an assembly of people. Remember we said the Queensbury Town offices, the Queensbury Town board could call a gathering. We're going to have a town meeting. Same kind of an idea. We're going to have a gathering. Some people are going to get together for a reason. You know why we got together? Because I gave my life to God. How about you? Now, and you're here because you gave your life to God. Or maybe you're considering giving your life to God. The Bible says we should be a place known for. We've given our life to God. And in another sense, we are daily, in another sense, not that we're being saved again, but in, in a daily way, I'm also making a decision, right? To give my life over to the Lord this day. Amen? You know what? Some of us are a little bit scared about being a part of a church that challenges us to do that. Can I share with you? We're just being faithful to God. And we, if you go to a church that does not encourage you to give your life to God, I'm not sure that's a church. Because that's what the Bible says we should do. That's the, what the Bible says that we should be known for. And, and don't be afraid of that because that is, the Bible says that it's really the only thing that makes sense. And when we stand before God and say, God, I want to give my life to you. So worship does involve prayer. It does involve serving. It does involve giving. It does involve reading the Bible. It does involve things like that. It does involve singing even. But you can do all those things and not be worshiping. Isn't that scary? There are many Christians who sing. There are many Christians who pray. There are many Christians who read their Bible, but they are not actively turning their life over to God. So in that sense, we can, we can do some worship activity, but not truly be worshiping God. God wants us to make a one-time decision of once and for all, receiving Him as our Savior and giving our life to Him, being saved, being born again, and then daily, a practice of God in a fresh way this day. I want to submit my life to your Lordship. Amen? I want to yield my life 
to you. Not real big amen so far. I need some more people. Amen? Amen. This is what we are supposed to be doing together. But if we do give over our lives to God, that's what it means to worship, ultimately. We will be doing some of those other things, won't we? If we have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, we will be doing some of those other things that we normally call worship. So let's talk about some of those things right now. Worship means giving our life to God, but secondly, we worship God corporately and we worship God on our own. We talk about worship, what are we talking about? We're talking about there's a sense in which we worship God as a group and there's a sense in which God wants us to worship Him on our own. As you read Acts chapter 2 that we just read, there clearly is a picture of worshiping God corporately, isn't there? You can't get away from it. I mean, in fact, in that passage, you can almost make a case of corporate against alone. Because you don't see much alone in that passage, right? You see a lot of gathered together with other people. It's all over those verses. Another one that I want to read for you, though, is Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible that describes what we're actually doing right now. It is a beautiful picture. Listen to this. It says, And all the people gathered as one man, one big group of people, at the square which was in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book. I love that. I love that. Would y'all do that one day? Can we do that one day? Can can I be out in the foyer? And could y'all just say, Pastor Avi, bring in the book. Amen. Bring in the book. I mean, we should do that, shouldn't we? And sometimes, you know, sometimes we maybe, you know, we as a church, you know, we try to, as I said last week, take some of the shine off some of the, some of the um, maybe ritualism. But you know what? Sometimes we shouldn't lose some of the pageantry, right? Sometimes maybe we should have a parade. And maybe, I, I don't know if I want to be the head of the parade, but maybe we'll get one of the other pastors or somebody. But, but maybe, maybe we should have a parade and we should walk in with the book up. Amen. That's what they did. Listen to this. It's so awesome. The people ask Ezra, what if y'all called me? Today's said, Pastor Robbie, are you bringing the book? We need the book. What a beautiful expression. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law, brought the law before the what? The assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. By the way, isn't it cool? They had kids' church back in the Old Testament. The men, the women, all those who could sit still long enough to listen. And by the way, you're going to find out they were there for a while. On the first day of the seventh month, he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate. Here again is encouragement to me of long sermons. From early morning until midday. That's probably about six hours. If you laugh, we're going to do that in a few weeks. I'll tell you later. From early morning until midday in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, there again, kids' church, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Listen to the people. All the people were attentive to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium. Now that can be translated stood on a wooden platform, or it could be translated stood behind a wooden pulpit. You know, is the way we see it many times. So Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium, probably a platform, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood some people that I'm not going to try to pronounce their name, some on his right hand, and beside him stood some on his left hand that I can't pronounce, 
Verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. There again, it's kind of that platform so they could see. And when he opened it, wow. You want to blow me away one day? Y'all get together, do a mass email and say, hey, we're going to trick Pastor Robbie. When he starts reading the Bible, we're just all going to stand up in honor of the Word of God. Good night. Can I just tell you, this is a side note. This is just a personal thing. I don't put my Bible on the ground. I don't set other books on top of my Bible. Can I just tell you why? This is the Word of God. God wrote a book that He gave to us. And I just, I just think about this. When it's read, we should almost have a spontaneous response. Wow. God is speaking right now. Amen? All the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. What a great worship service. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. See, that's not just a Pastor Robbie thing. You bunch of sinners, if you were right with God, you would say Amen a lot. While lifting up their hands, then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Great day. Wow. Also, some other people I can't pronounce, the Levites, explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. You see small groups even in this passage. They read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. You should never go to church and be confused. You should never go to church and say, I have no idea what he said. I have no idea what he's talking about. Friends, listen. We read the Word of God and we try to understand the Word of God so we can follow God. Amen? It's about 445 B.C. Now, this is what's happening here is there's kind of a progression. The children of Israel have gone into captivity. The northern tribes, 722 B.C. by the Assyrians. The, southern, the two southern tribes, 586 B.C. They've been scattered. Now they've come back over the last little bit. They came back to rebuild the temple. Now Nehemiah is leading a group that's going to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. Okay, And as they're doing that, they're doing something that God had told them to do every seven years. But it had not been done in decades. In decades. At least 70 years. They had not gotten together during this week, the Feast of Tabernacles, and read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's called the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. The Law of Moses is referred to many times. God said every seven years, I want you to read this. This was the first time in a long time. By the way, it ought to be encouraging to you if you're new to church. Maybe sometimes that seems like a negative, but you know what? Maybe you have a better perspective than some of us that have been here a while. Because you're hearing the Word of God for the first time in a long time. And sometimes you're more responsive than I am. God bless you. You're an encouragement to me. Amen. And so I think that's what was happening. There were fresh hearts that said, we haven't heard from God in a long time. And this was their response. What a cool passage. Amen. Showing how we worship God corporately. Many times we think of worship as a very private thing. But we need to realize that while worship can be a private experience between you and God, Worship is very personal, but it is not meant to be completely private. 
It can be private, but it is not meant to be. Sometimes I hear people say that. Worship is a very private thing to me. No, it is a private thing. It is a personal thing, but it is not meant to be completely private. We see here in these passages, God wants us to worship Him as a group, together, corporately. And something else we see as we read this passage, biblical worship includes involvement, not just attendance. What do the people do? They stood for the reading of God's Word. They said amen twice, did you notice? It said a lot of amens. They raised their hands. They bowed down. Later, they're going to be in tears. Would you think about that for a moment? How involved in corporate worship are you? Attending is a good place to start, right? If this is your first time in church ever, God bless you. If this is your first time in a while, God bless you. Or if maybe you've just been here for a few weeks, that is a great place to start. Regular attendance is another step forward. Some of you have begun taking those steps. God bless you. You say, you know what? I'm going to go to church every weekend. I'm going to be there and I'm going to let God speak to me. God bless you for that. But God's point for us, I'm just encouraging you at wherever we're at in the, on that continuum to keep taking steps forward. Because God's point for us is not just attendance. God wants engagement. God wants involvement. And that could mean listening intently. Do you come to church expecting God to speak to you? I got to tell you, I don't even want to ask that question because I know. You know what I love to see? If I was sitting in a worship service, I love to see you guys doing this. I'd be leaning in for it. I'd be be staring him down, buddy. Bring it on. Give me the message. Read the book and help me to understand it. Amen? I love to see you guys. You're engaged. You look like it matters to you. It means something. I need to hear from God. If you're not doing that, I encourage you, take that next step. I'm not just sitting here absorbing some things, but I'm listening for God actively to speak to my heart. It could be interacting more in the service, maybe singing, maybe saying amen, maybe giving, maybe raising your hands, maybe speaking to other people, being more interactive in that worship. It could be serving in some way, maybe in kids' church, or maybe on the welcome team, or an usher, or the prayer team afterwards, or fellowship, or media. But you know what? I am contributing. I'm a, I want this to go well today. I want people to meet with God. And I want to be a part of that. And all those people and more are part of that happening. So here's the question for you to think about. Are you just coming to church? Or are you engaging with God and others? Many times you'll hear people say things like, well, I really enjoyed the message. Or on the other side, I didn't really get much out of it. And certainly, I'll be honest, I'll share with you, the leaders of our worship, the the servant leaders, the under-shepherds in our church that give leadership, the ministry, we, we, we we think a lot about how to remove barriers, how to make it an environment conducive for you to hear from God. We're John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord, Amen. Get all the stuff out of the way so the people can come and meet with God. So I want you to know, we are thinking about you. And we should. But as individuals coming to worship, our mindset needs to be more towards God and not ourselves. I'm coming to bring some things 
to God. This is a different mindset. This is something that many of us have never heard or maybe you haven't heard in a while. I'm not coming to church, at least initially or primarily, for what it does for me. I'm coming to honor God. I'm coming to bring some things to God. And by the way, primarily what? According to Romans 12. Me. Amen. My heart. I'm coming. And there's other ways that we talked about. There's other ways to worship God. But primarily, I am bringing myself to God. If I am thinking about people, I'm not thinking about this people. I'm thinking about other people. And how God might be wanting to work in their life. And how I can be used to glorify. There again, I'm still worshiping God, aren't I? I want to be used in a way that draws attention to God. And people say, wow, God's great. God's great. So if I'm thinking about people, I'm thinking about you, not myself. Now listen, and trusting that, if I do that, because that's the, that's the mindset God's called us to, is Himself, then others, then you. Somebody called that joy. Jesus, others, you, right? If you think about it that way, then God is going to do whatever needs to happen in my life. So here's a good question. Do you come to church for what you can get from God or for what you can bring to God? That is a completely different mindset. And again, I'm going to cut you off of the past because I know some of you are thinking, well, I guess I'm just out. I guess my hurt, I guess my struggle just is all about everybody else. And I'll just worship God. Friends, you've got to trust that if you obey the Lord and give Him the honor due His name, you will never come back short. That is actually the way to get what you really need, if you really want to think about it that way. is to first give God what He deserves. I think about it like this. If you were coming to this service because you had an appointment to meet the President of the United States, think about that. Think about if you were going to Washington, D.C. to meet the President of the United States. Would you be thinking, I can't wait to see what he got me. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the present that the President got for me. Would you? You would never think of that. I don't think anybody would think of that. You would think, oh my goodness. I'm going before the President of the United States. What can I do what? What can I bring? What can I give? What can I say? What can I do to show how much respect and, and how I realize the privilege that I have? But then with God, we're surprised to find out that actually the president did have a lot for you. It's almost embarrassing even, isn't it? I'm just giving him just me. That, that ain't much. He's getting, he's getting a bad deal. I'm just, I'm, that's all I got, God. I, I'm bringing you myself, and he gives me himself. And that's a mouthful. Amen? We've called a lot of things, grace, so many things that we don't deserve, that God gives. So worship, we worship God corporately, but we also we worship with other people. But there's also an aspect where we worship just God and us. Mark chapter 1. Verse 35, Jesus gives a, a great example of this. It says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, <clears throat> some of you don't know that there is a time of day that's early and dark, okay? So in the early morning, while it was still dark, 
Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded, quiet place and was praying there. There were times, clearly, when Jesus pulled away by Himself to spend time with the Father. What a great example to us, right? We need time where we, every day, spend time with God, worshiping Him. And I encourage you to take steps in that direction. Maybe it just starts with five minutes. Maybe it just starts with just, just a little bit of time. Maybe you don't even think about it until you're about to eat your breakfast and you pray for it. You're about, oh, I need to pray for my Fruit Loops. Well, just take, you know, don't pour the milk first, you know, because it'll get soggy. Just say, I forgot. I need to spend some time with God. Maybe spend 30 seconds. Maybe spend a minute. And then the more, the thing about God, the more time you spend with Him, you, you really want more. Do you have regular times when you worship God by yourself? Are you working towards that? Times like that every day. I'll be honest with you. You might not be there yet, but friend, you need to know it's part of the partnership you got involved with. We're saying, listen, if we're going to worship God together, when we get together corporately, we need all these little temples to be honoring God on your own. Okay, because you're the temple of God, right? I'm the temple of God. So really, if this thing, when we come together, is going to be what God wants it to be, it means that you and I daily are spending that time with God. In fact, it's so important that we've incorporated that into our discipleship process here. It was called The Journey. And we first shared it with you last fall during our, during our open house, during our birthday celebration. You could see there, under worship, the two things that we've said is, listen, we want to encourage you as part of your walk with God, the process that we're encouraging you to be involved in here in a church family, worship God. First, be here together with us on the weekend, worshiping God as a gathering, but then you daily spending time out. We're saying those are two of the things God most wants us to do. By the way, before we move on, for some of you, looking at that is, is overwhelming. Good night. I mean, yeah, there's like a list of things. You know, just, can I just say to you, first of all, don't try to do everything right now. Amen. Just ask God where you're at in that journey, in that process, and start there. And I think if you were talking to other people who are here right now, they would say to you, that's kind of intimidating. But, but honestly, if I could just tell you, there's not like 8,000 things you're going to hear about. You're going to keep hearing those things. And, and eventually it kind of gets a little bit more manageable, right? Oh, okay. Those are the things that we're agreeing to do together as God's people. Because church family, listen, we believe that if we were on that kind of a trip, that kind of a journey, working through those kind of things together, we'd be pretty close to where Jesus wants us to be when he comes back one day. Amen? Amen. So a big part of worship for us together is corporate. It's on our own. But as we look at Acts chapter 2, there's another aspect of it that I want to bring out as we study God's Word together this weekend. We worship God through prayer. We're talking about worship. Worship means giving myself. Somebody needs to do that this weekend. Somebody needs to hand over your life to God. For the first time, once and for all, in a sense, I give my life to God. That's worship. Some of us need to continue, in a sense, yielding our life to God. We've, we've given our life to Jesus Christ, but we need to continue daily. God, okay, today, I trust you. I'm following you. We need to be worshiping in this big group. We need to be 
worshiping on our own, but prayer is so important. Billy Graham was once asked to look back over his ministry and to share what regrets he had. And he said something that was shocking to me. I mean, it's not shocking in a sense, but the way he expressed it was shocking to me. He said that if he had anything to do over again, he probably would have spent a little less time preaching and a lot more time praying. And I thought about that, and it shocked me a little bit. I was like, millions of people have received Christ, have heard the good news because He opened His mouth as God's servant. And I I just pictured for a minute, but what if he'd been at home, in his bedroom, on his knees praying? So I just, you know, many of us have accepted Christ watching a Billy Graham crusade. Many of us first heard the good news because of hearing this man share. And so at first it puzzled me a little bit. I I don't know if I agree with you there, Mr. Graham. I I don't know if he really cares what Robbie thinks, right? But I talk back to people just like you do. But the more I live my life, I think I might understand what he was talking about. Listen to me. It is very likely that Billy Graham preached in places that God did not send him. Maybe there were times that he really needed to stay home with his family instead of going on that trip. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he would admit that. Maybe there were times God wanted to work through another person and he got in the way. Because he didn't pray. Maybe God wanted to use another means to get his message, but Billy Graham wasn't seeking the Lord as closely as he should. Or it's likely that he shared messages that God didn't want him to share. Good messages, but not the one that God really wanted him to share. It's likely that he was not as good in sharing or effective or clear or whatever as he could have been. And the reason he recognizes, I believe, is because he had not sought the Lord enough throughout his life. Now again, careful with that. You've done a good job. Amen, Billy? You've done a good job, as far as I can tell. But it's a good point, isn't it? And did you know it's really emphasizing God's Word? Prayer is extremely important to our worship. Listen to some verses. Mark 11, verses 15 through 17. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturn the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. There's more backdrop to that that we've talked about at other times. But basically, the house of God was more like a mall than a worship center. And Jesus would not permit anyone to carry any merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written in Isaiah, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you've made a robber's den. you made a place where thieves can hide out. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-3. through 3. In a book where Paul says in chapter 3, I believe it's verse 14, I'm sharing with you how you ought to act in God's family. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God and of our Savior, God our Savior. God says, when you're thinking about doing church, prayer should be first. Wow, that hits me pretty hard. 
Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. The Bible says, devote yourselves to prayer. Continue in prayer. Stick to prayer. Stay active in prayer. Keeping alert in it. That's God's message to us as His people. Stay devoted to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. The Bible says never stop praying. Prayer should always be in the mix in what we're doing. It should be all over us, all around us. I've been reminded of that again by the Lord over the last few weeks. How important prayer is. As we've been seeking God and trusting Him for some things as a church family. The Lord just reminded me, we have to pray and then we need to pray some more. No, seriously. No, seriously. This is not just another point. We've said one of our biggies, one of our big, hairy, audacious goals, number eight, is to be a powerhouse of prayer. Is God showing us how to become a powerhouse of prayer by making us completely dependent on Him? Friends, there's several things you're going to see up on the screen that we are focused on for this year as a church family, 2017. All of those are things that your pastors, we're praying about, and those are goals that we, we're focusing on, and we're trying to help our church family to, to, to be about this year. But can I just tell you, prayer is one of those, those are, those are steps toward the, those BHAGs, those big goals we have, those are the big things. Those are the big things that we're chasing for year by year. Those are the things headed toward those bigger goals for this year. But can I just tell you that prayer covers it all. Prayer is dominant. Prayer is prominent and it's going to get more, not less. We need everything that we do to be bathed in prayer. Over the past couple of weeks, every single morning, your pastors have been on our knees right here. And we might just keep doing it. Just spend the first few moments of every day. God, we are powerless and we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is so good. Makes me so confident. Amen. Is that what God's doing? Let me give you some opportunities to be a part of prayer at New Hope. Write these down. First of all, maybe, maybe God's calling you to be involved in our nights of prayer and worship. Over the last little bit, every few months, we're having these corporate times where we come together and worship the Lord through music and through prayer. Our next one's going to be Good Friday. What a great time to gather as the people of God. Good Friday. What a great time to invite people to come with you. Do you believe that God answers, that God honors and answers the people who pray? Do you believe that? Will we commit together to gather for prayer? Our weekend prayer team. Thank God for those who serve every weekend. But you know what? Honestly, we want this to be, become more prominent. This might be the most important time of the service. Because you know what you've heard from God. Well, now I'm going to go down there and I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to do business with God. And I want to encourage you. Maybe God's speaking to your heart. Maybe you're scared of that. But you say, I want to help people. We will train you. We will equip you. And we're looking towards Easter to have more people involved so that we can have people available. If somebody wants to talk to someone about God, God forbid they wouldn't know where to go. Amen? 
There are people that will pray with you and help you or point you in the right direction. It's so fun. Amen? It is a little scary, but if you're not scared, you're probably not doing God's will. It ought to be bigger than you. Maybe God's calling you to be... We've got a growth group that is focused on prayer. All of our growth groups have an element of prayer. But we have one group that meets specifically to pray through the specific things that are going on in our church family. Maybe God's calling you. That that would be your group for a cycle of groups. We're trusting people. We're doing our care net ministry. It will not work if we do not have prayer leaders and care leaders in those groups. It's very simple. It's just helping that group because teachers like me will teach the whole time plus 10 more minutes and forget to pray. We need people to say, hey, big boy, uh, can you wrap it up? Because we need to talk to God. Amen? Now, don't be that mean about it. But, I'm not. <laughs> but we need people to do that. It's very simple. It's very easy. But, but would you be? Have you guys called you to be a part of one of our 24-hour prayer teams? Did you know we've got a prayer wall on our website that people from all over the world can give their prayer requests. Maybe God's called you to keep an eye on that, to be praying. Did you know people can see when you pray? You can mark, I prayed. It's encouraging to put a prayer request and see the 11 people prayed. I don't even know who they are, but it encourages me. Amen? We've got a prayer line that you can call. It's there on your worship guide. 24 hours a day, you can, pray, you can call to, to share a prayer request. We've got a group of prayer warriors. And we have special prayer requests that maybe can't be shared across uh, publicly that pray for special things. Maybe you'd be on an outreach prayer team. We've got so many ideas about how we can use prayer in a way that touches people's lives where they come to Christ. Can I just be honest with you? I've been praying about this for a couple of years, and it is time to get it started. Who's going to step up and work with me on that? Maybe it's some other prayer ministry. We don't have people praying during our service for the pastor preaching. We don't have people praying for the meeting. Maybe you'd be feel called to come to one service, but then you come to another to serve by being in another room with a group of people praying that God would be working right now. Wouldn't that be awesome? Or maybe you'd be a part of a prayer team that prays for the kids during vacation Bible school or the soccer clinic or prays for the clothing closet. Wouldn't it be awesome to know if you were giving away free clothes that there was a group of people on the other side of the building praying that God would work through these clothes and would speak to someone's heart today? Isn't that awesome? That's starting to look a whole lot more like a house of prayer. God has called us to do some things. And worship could be the most important. Can I tell you something I do almost every week? Many times I'm sitting, I'm sitting down in the last couple of songs and just letting the Lord speak to my heart. I'll just look down at my wrists. A lot of times new hope will be turned up. I flip it over to worship. Because I just want to be reminded. It ain't about new hope. It's not even really primarily about growing and serving. It's first of all about God. Would you meet here with us right now? And would I just give my life completely to you? And in doing that, would others make the same decision? Amen? Amen. Worship's the main thing, really. Are you a worshiper of Jesus Christ? Would you bow your head as we think about that?
Is God speaking to your heart right now about giving your life to Him? You know it's primarily not about praying. It's not about singing songs. It's not about doing certain things or giving a certain amount of money. I think we sense that, but we don't know. What is it, God? What is it He wants you? He created you. He loves you. He died for you. What a beautiful thing right now. If one of God's most special creation just stopped in simple worship and said, God, I pause right now in the middle of this life and recognize the one who gave it to me. And God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry I've missed you. I'm sorry I haven't lived for you. I'm sorry I never realized this before. God, I'm sorry I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin has separated me from you. But I give my life to you. I worship you, Jesus. I ask you to come into my life and be my Savior. I want to be born again. Made brand new by your power. What a beautiful, beautiful act of worship. Someone said the greatest song of all is the song of the redeemed. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, Lord. Many of us have made that that huge eternal life step. Are you daily yielding to Him? Are you daily recognizing His rightful place? Submitting your life to Him. God, how do you want to use me today? God, take my mouth, take my eyes, take my ears, take my hands, take my feet. I give my body because, Lord, I'm really saying I'm giving my life to You to use for your glory. Maybe God's speaking to you about a further commitment to worshiping together. Maybe you're spending that time with Him alone, but you're holding back from corporately giving our lives together. Would you ask the Lord to help you to take that step? Maybe you're not spending time with God daily. God, I I don't want to just worship you on the weekends. I want to worship you every day on my own. And there's no doubt God's calling us to prayer. God, please help us to be a people who seek you. If we mess up, help us pray too much. Help us, God teaching us. We're your disciples. We're your followers. We don't know how to do this. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've brought us to. I know you're working. I pray that we would let you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.